Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different starting over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Today on Starting Over with Shannon, we welcome Madeleine Wisecup, a Franco-American entrepreneur who is the creator of The Wise Consumer, a podcast and online platform which is an exploration into healthier choices, planet-friendly brands, and slow-living mindsets. Prior to this, for around 10 years, Madeleine had been working as a content and video producer for the United States Navy, where she was interviewing leading scientists, engineers, and Marines on alternative energy-efficient initiatives and projects around climate change. A career she describes as interesting and investigative, but hectic, due to long hours, a lot of travel, and stress. She says she felt the slow and steady drum of burnout, but it beat louder than ever one day in a doctor's office when she was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition she was told could lead to cancer. In this episode, we discuss the radical changes she made in her life after this diagnosis, not only in terms of quitting work and moving somewhere with a slower pace of life than Washington, D.C., but particularly in her consumption habits, what she was putting on and in her body. Learning a lot on her own holistic healing and wellness journey, she is here to share some of those stories and ideas with us today. So we talk about practices to remain centered and grounded, how small changes in our day-to-day lives can have a significant impact, and of course, how to be a wiser consumer, both for our own well-being and that of the planet and those around us. Because as Madeline says, you need to feel good to be able to do good. Madeleine, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> I thought I'd start with the French word. My French yeah. isn't that much better than that, but thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, je suis ravie. I am so, so excited to have this conversation. I'm really happy you reached out. I love what you're doing. So yeah, this will be a nice breath of fresh air, change of pace. And I'm so stoked to chat. Yeah, thank you. I when I stumbled across your Instagram account and then subsequently website, I immediately thought wise consumer resonates so much with that as a title. Mm. And then how you discuss about, you know, slow living and sustainability and well-being in a holistic way. I, I thought, wow, this girl, I've got to, I've got to have a conversation with her and see where the passion interest drive, where all that kind of stemmed from, because I, what I really am interested to hear is your kind of your personal background that led you onto quite a an altruistic and benevolent mission <laughs> in the world, I would say, because it, it is. And I think a lot of people will, will break it down when we find out what the wise consumer is all about. But I think that what really shines to me is how you encourage people to take care of themselves, but then to also show up better in the world. Mm. And that is obviously aligning with what I am trying to do with my podcast, with starting mm. over, you know, discussing people's difficulties in life. And then also what we need to do on a societal scale, you know, the community, the worldwide level to create better systems and create ultimately happier societies and people within them. Mm. So 
let's jump up right in. I would love to know a little bit more about the wise consumer. What is that about? Yeah. Well, first, thank you so much. That's like very kind. You know, when you're working on something, you don't really think sometimes you get so caught up in the day-to-day grind that you, uh, it's like kind of become who I am. So I forget not everybody sees things this way. So I really appreciate that. Um, it's encouraging. Um, so the wise consumer, let's see where, where should I start? How far back do we want to go? <laughs> well, first tell me what it is that you do, what the company as such does. And then we can go into a little bit about how it was born and your story from there. Yeah, for sure. So it kind of has evolved over the past few years, but really what it is today is, is I like to think of it as a platform to encourage people to feel good, to do good. So I can, I, I consider myself a holistic health mentor. I do work with a certified dietitian and nutritionist to review anything I put out. Cause I'm a huge advocate for knowing where your material comes from, making sure it's like science fact, science-based um, especially when it comes to, to health and well-being. But then also I, 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 what I found was as I was, as I started the wise consumer podcast, originally I was, I was interviewing a lot of social entrepreneurs who were using their businesses to do good, but you talk to individuals and we're all burnt out. And I started realizing, wow, there's gotta be a mesh of where you have to, if you want to do good in the world, you also on an individual personal level have to feel good. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're, you know, just a, you know, volunteering at your local, whatever it may be, you cannot, I I believe, give your best you know, self to others, if you yourself aren't feeling well. Um, so, so the wise consumer is really a platform where I want to help and encourage people to understand, Hey, if you take care of your body, if you do these things, if you eat these foods, it not only supports your gut microbiome, your, you know, your, your hormones. I love, I love women's issues. So a lot of my, my issues focus on women's health. So it not only supports your, your, your fertility, it supports your health. It supports your, you know, your, your, your anxiety, but also when you take care of these things, then you can also take care of the planet. So reducing certain toxins from your, your, your day to day also helps your health and helps the planet, you know? So, so it's really about doing good, uh, feeling good. So you can do good to both support yourself and the planet. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us will immediately have an affinity with that idea because it's so intuitive. I know in many aspects of my life, if I'm having a bad day, whatever that looks like, feeling unwell in my body mentally, I don't show up in the world in, in terms of my work, even for my son or for my partner, you know, it's a struggle. So I think it is, yeah, there is a hunger there also for this information about how we can feel better. Especially yeah. when, especially with such difficulties that we're facing, you know, with the pandemic, for example, people are just tired of that story, you know, and the difficulties around that. And I think, yeah, any way that we can feel better is. Yeah. And if anyone, if you, if you're calling, for instance, is to be a social activist, most of the time, what I find is you're going to be giving your all day in and day out. And if you don't take time to step back to sleep, to eat well, you can't continue to do what this gift, this calling that you're called to do is. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I completely agree. So can you tell me a little bit now about how the wise consumer was born? A little bit about your story here. Um, all right. So I, I have to start it prior to even when the wise consumer was born, give a little background. So 
Um, I worked for the U.S. Navy as a contractor for about nine and a half years, and I really enjoyed it. So the first five years I worked as a I worked with the public affairs department. So doing internal external communications. Um, and then I ended up moving to D.C., Washington, D.C., here in the U.S., where I became a video content producer and I worked on this energy security campaign. And this was really amazing because it opened my eyes to how this is where I got really into climate stuff. And I started teaching myself. I had the wonderful, amazing opportunity to talk to some of our nations here in the U.S., leading scientists and engineers and, you know, space-based, you know, technologists who were working on these amazing um, technologies to help reduce you know, um, the impact to help reduce our energy usage as the military, but really as a nation. Um, but I started burning out. I was working so many hours. I was traveling all over the country. Um, it was just very, very long. And around this time, I was, um, because I was working so much, I wasn't making my health a priority. I was day in and day out. I would get up, you know, 5 a.m., do, you know, whatever I was doing, get get to the office, do this, do this. The next, you know, anyone can relate. You're busy. So I'd get home in the afternoon, didn't have energy and or time to cook. So I'd get like, you know, frozen dinner, put it in the microwave, call it a day. Um, and it was around this time that I had this weird skin diagnosis that I, I'll never forget. I went to the doc. This was really like the, the turning point in everything was I went to the doctors and he came back after and he was kind of like quiet and awkward. <laughs> and I, you know, no one likes that feeling where they come back and we're like, well, I don't want to alarm you, but of course oh, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what? And he's like, if you don't take care of this very rare, not very much known about autoimmune condition, it could lead to cancer. And I was like, OMG. And I'm like kind of an anxious, huge imaginative and I'm a very imaginative person. So I was like, oh my gosh, my life is over. I'm going to die. Um, so I like immediate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, it's been years of therapy to get through that kind of <laughs> catastrophizing like approach. Um, but I went home that day and immediately I started researching this autoimmune condition and there's not much known about it, but what was known about it at the time was that what you ate and what you put on your body impacted everything inside internally. So I really started to take a hard look at what am I eating? What am I putting on my skin? How am I living my day-to-day -day life? Am I taking time for self-care? The answer to all of these was um, you're eating crap. You're not taking time to look at what you're putting on your skin. And no, you're not making time for self-care because you're oh so busy, you know? So it was around, it was around this time that I started realizing, oh my gosh, like I need to make some major changes if I want to get better. Um, and so I got rid of everything that was what I would consider some of the more harmful chemicals from my skincare products, you know, and, and there's like so many, as I've gone into this world, there's so many arguments between like, is this FDA approved? Is it safe? Is it not safe? You can go. It's, there's a whole bunch of arguments around this. I consider myself a purist. I like knowing what ingredients I'm putting on my skin at this point in time. Um, I started relooking at my diet. I started, you know, instead of drinking tons and tons of coffee to get through the day, I would take time to, if I needed to rest on the weekend, I would, I would meditate, I would journal. Um, 
So just like little changes. And as I started this, I started realizing there's so many amazing brands that are doing good for our world. Um, and that's when I started the wise consumer podcast. Cause I wanted to be able to share some of the stories behind these, like whether it was a natural skincare product or a food brand that was a doing good for the planet and also doing good for your body. Um, and, and just reaching out to these individuals and bringing them on to the podcast. So if you look through seasons one and two, you'll see a lot of different social entrepreneurs, small business, fashion brands, food brands, skincare brands. Um, and I, 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 that's kind of where that whole journey started. Um, at that time I left my job with the Navy cause I was like, something inside of me was telling me it's time to change. Like you cannot keep going at this pace. So I quit my job. Mm-hmm. my very stable, you know, health insurance. And I became a full-time nanny while I launched the wise consumer. And it was, you know, I, in my head, I'm always someone who's like, this is the path that I'm taking. And, and I have these expectations for myself. And then people ask, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a nanny. Like it was just such a change from like, Oh, I'm a video producer for the Navy, you know, but it was also such a blessing and a, a, a change that needed to happen for me. Um, so that's how the wise consumer came to be. It was really about creating a platform where I could share some of the lessons that I was learning at the time. And of course, since then it's progressed. Um, and I know we had talked a little bit about my miscarriage and how that has impacted, you know, where I am. So I think if you look at the wise consumer now, it's really, it's become a holistic platform where it's not just about social entrepreneurs, but it's about wellness and social entrepreneurs and doing good for our planet and really making yourself a priority. Um, what I learned, you know, through it just, that was a really uh, tough experience and miscarriage is a really mm. challenging, very mm. personal, different experience for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely a lot of grief and self-work went into this, but it was also transformative. I took it as what can I gain from this? How can I turn this to something that benefits my life? You know, without sounding harsh, I don't mean to say like, oh, this benefits because it's not. I'm still working through some of the triggers from that. But what I learned was how important this is really where I started getting into hormone health and understanding really the impact of what you eat and how it impacts our bodies. And as women, you know, our, our hormone system, our infradian rhythms, everything is so, so sensitive that I wanted to share all this information that I had, I had learned with other women. Mm. Um, and that's how I went from social entrepreneurs, podcasting to now bringing on hormone dietitians, um, you know, endocrinologists, toxicologists onto the podcast to talk about how can we bring everything together to look at ourselves as a whole, what you're eating, what you're drinking, how you're living, and also how, how that impacts how, what you do, you know, looking outward, Mm -hmm. how can you help people in different circumstances than yourself? How can you support individuals? How can we reduce waste for the planet, et cetera? Mm, Beautiful. Oh, thank you for speaking openly about that, because I know that these experiences can be very challenging. Um, but it's nice to hear that there is some Trans, personal transformation and grow through that. And so beautiful that you can use that to assist other people. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to pretend like cherry coat, like, Oh, you know, it was such a transformative, wonderful. It was not, <laughs> you know? And I think as you can attest, like we go through things in life that are really challenging. And I think they're just part of our story and part of things that we try to overcome. So I don't want for anyone who's ever been through something like that, like, just know it's not, I, I, it is not been an easy journey, but it's, I, I believe in how can I change that, make it a, part of my narrative in a way that's not always going to keep me back. Yeah, absolutely. I think some, one of my earlier guests spoke about her podcast is called from trauma to purpose and really discussing transforming pain into purpose. And there is something while so hurtful in suffering, you know, it's, it's painful. It can also be such a catalyst for personal growth because it invites such reflection and Mm. introspection that you might not have had previously. Mm. I just want to go back to this when you were at the doctors and you were diagnosed Mm -hmm. with the autoimmune condition, because it sounds like you really, that, that was the catalyst there for quite a radical transformation in your consumption uh, and, and I guess self-awareness as yep. well. So how how did that unfold from there? Because I do know while the audience doesn't that you ended up being misdiagnosed. Yes. So th- it was such an interesting thing. So this one doctor came in and told me you have this autoimmune condition that could cause cancer. And so I went on this journey of, like I said, taking everything out. And, and that's where I got into zero waste living because everything that I ate, like, for instance, if you get a dinner, like a a frozen dinner, you put in the microwave, it's packaged in plastic. You put that in the microwave that leaches out, you know? So I started realizing like, not only was the food I was eating, but the food that I was eating was packaged in plastic, um, that I was in some way consuming. Uh, And then you, you know, you look into like, well, now we're we're creating a shit ton of plastic and how can we reduce that from the environment? So that's how that got, you know, into the whole like zero waste living, but, um, going back the, so I started going down all of these different rabbit holes to get back to your question. I started going down all these different rabbit holes, taking things out of my diet, putting things back into my diet, um, that were like more whole foods. And I just felt like I needed to get a second opinion as time went on. No one actually knew when I would go there, like, yeah, there's definitely something, but we don't know what it is because it's a pretty rare and for personal reasons, I'm not going to disclose what it is, but um, it's a pretty rare condition. And finally, I found another doctor who she did check it out. And she was like, it's not this. It's not this. What you have is more likely a hormonal issue that's manifesting via your skin, like a lack of estrogen or something like that. So um, today, and so sometimes I think, is it that I was, I did have this condition, but because of the changes I made, I was able to keep it at bay or was it misdiagnosed? I don't know the answer to that, but like, I haven't had issues since I've started making all the changes, mm. um, which is kind of remarkable and a huge blessing. Yeah, absolutely. What was the time frame out of curiosity between the, the diagnosis and the tra- changes that you had made to then that subsequent doctor's opinion? Um, two, three years because I saw multi, I move, I move a lot. So every time I would go to a new like doctor, I would be like, how about you check this out for me? Like, this is something that like, you know, I've been told. And so I would ask them. And then I finally started Googling doctors who were more proficient in this condition. Um, and it took about two years. And I think like for any change that you're making in your life, 
it doesn't happen overnight. You know, this was something I chipped away at um, diligently, but I was so adamant about making my health a priority that it, it just felt like the right thing to do. And I was, be, I was just very patient with myself and with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally it was actually about a year and a half ago where the doctor was like, I really don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't see anything. Um, I think this is just like a hormonal thing. So let's just keep an eye on it, but I've had no issues in the past year and a half. Well, that's great. And I suppose even in the face of some uncertainty as to why you haven't had any similar health issues again, I would imagine it would give you some encouragement that you were making lifestyle improvements that you should absolutely maintain. And one of those, as you say on your website, is your commitment to slow living. So can I ask you, what does slow living mean to you? I define slow living in so it could be so many different things for so many different people. For me personally, it's about making time for, as you mentioned, breath work, uh, meditation, praying, journaling, Mm -hmm. taking walks in nature. I'm huge, huge proponent. I actually talked to a, um, a nature therapist, you know, so like a forest, like forest bathing, I'm huge advocate for spending time in nature. The health benefits of being in nature are just phenomenal you know, reducing Mm. blood pressure, all that stuff. So, um, now it's a matter of, of not only taking time for self, but also like slow living, like making time to make a meal and slowing down and being more intentional. How are you consuming in terms of the wise consumer, even like Mm. slowing down and being intentional about how I'm consuming, what am I consuming? Where am I consuming? Who is, you know, producing something, um, and, and really being mindful about how I spend my days, my money, my time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I do think it's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day grind, but I think it's also very important to make time to, if you're going to sit down, make your lunch, eat it without distraction. If you're going to, um, you know, maybe turn your cell phone off at night. I'm a huge advocate for not scrolling through social media. Am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. There are times where I still Mm -hmm. scroll through social media or email or whatever the case may be before bed, but now I'm really trying to make that switch that into, for lack of a better word, me time where it's, I'm breathing, I'm making time to pray. I'm slowing down. I'm grounding myself and being present. Mm. Is there anything that you do in particular to stay grounded? I know for myself, I've always identified that as a, yeah, a bit more of a problem area for me being grounded and centered. I'm quite high energy and buzzy and jumping from one thing to another. And I think actually, um, I think a counselor recommend a spiritual psychotherapist recommended to me, put your feet on the ground. Yeah. Be aware that your feet are on the ground and even imagine roots growing from under your feet and going into the earth. And it's strange how I really did feel an energy shift there because it brought me, uh, yeah, lower into my body, even just this high mental buzz. Yep. Yeah. And I have ADHD, not officially diagnosed, but it's something that I I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. Let's just put it that way. Um, so my brain is constantly very active and it's been really important. And part of the autoimmune condition when I was, you know, misdiagnosed or whatever was also stress impacts us. Stress impacts so much of our well being. So yeah, I love what your, um, do you call her spiritual count, uh, Yeah, she was. Yeah, exactly. Spiritual psychotherapist. So it just had a more mindfulness angle. So she really, it was as people would think of a counselor, but instead we started a session with uh, breathwork. 
you know, and just like closing my eyes, being in tune with my body and just being able to feel what is going on when I think we're so preoccupied with our minds and the contents of our minds. If we, especially if we've never had cause to really reconsider that in any way, whether that be through a loss or an illness or other, you know, significant suffering where you really need to be aware of closing down your mind or quietening your mind sometimes, because otherwise it just destroys you. I think if you haven't had that experience, maybe you're not as uh, in touch with that. I certainly know the first time I showed up and she said, close your eyes and do these deep breaths. I rolled my eyes and was like, what the hell is this? You know, where have I I come? And now I really see the benefits because I feel the benefits. Yeah, absolutely. I am 100% with you on that. And I would say even during this pregnancy over the past few months, I've really had to, I think it's almost like work to do something like that. Because like, let's say you are in your busy day, like in your mind going, 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 I think it takes work to be like, okay, I'm going to make time to pause, whatever that may be for you. If it's, I'm going to take time to take a bath and feel the water. I'm going to take time to sit in nature barefoot. I'm going to take time to lay here and meditate. That takes time. And that takes discipline to make space for that. So what I've, I've had to like, force myself, especially with this pregnancy too. I'd say like right now, every night I do a 10 minute meditation with the five minutes of just breath work, just hands on the stomach, you know, and I feel the baby, you know, so I can, it's like, you know, they're like, now take a moment and feel everything. And I do guided meditation. So take a moment and feel everything happening. And then baby kicks. And I'm like, okay, this is what's happening in this moment. Like I want to be present. I want to not be thinking about what do I have to do tomorrow? What if something goes bad in the labor and delivery room? No, I'm going to take time to be like really present. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the biggest, I would say the biggest thing to go back to your original question is, um, focusing on gratitude. I really, I, it like annoys my husband's it used to let me actually, let me clarify. It used to annoy my husband. Cause he is not an extroverted, like sharing of emotions, but like in, in all honesty, in when we get ready for bed now in bed, we've been doing this since we've been married. I'll be like, what are three things you're grateful for today? And at first he was just like, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're such a hippie. But um, but we, it's, it's now like, it's part of our thing. And I think it's really important when you have a shitty day, when, when you have hard life experiences to remember, like I am healthy, I am breathing. I have wonderful family and friends. And so I think while breathing and praying and all gratitude for me is almost a form of praying. And I am a very like faithful spiritual person. So it's like, thank you God for like the blessings you've given me. Um, I'm so grateful. Um, and, and I want to be in gratitude, even when things are hard, because life isn't easy for anyone. Um, but just focusing on little things, like even having a warm cup of tea in the morning, I'm grateful for that moment. So I think gratitude and prayer and, um, uh, breathing meditation have been really helpful. And I, for me and nature, spending time in nature is huge, Mm. no cell phones, just, feel the breeze, look at the birds and that kind of a thing, which is, you know, part of the wise consumer, like part of why I do what I do. Like I want our nature to continue being this place of beauty and, and giving back to us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we give back to it. 
Mm-hmm. And slowing down and and appreciating it. Yeah. It, took, it took me so long to be able to go out for a run yeah. without taking my phone and listening to music. I live in a beautiful part of the world oh with mountains gosh. and lakes, and I have a forest right behind my house. And it was yeah, my my partner who encouraged me like Shannon just turn off your phone, be here right now. Whereas yeah. I, I was fixated too much on perhaps the external achievement of how many kilometers I run versus the other benefits that yep. I get from being there in silence. Yeah. But sometimes it's jarring, you know, and however it is strange and I, it's something I am pondering right now is how can we know that things are, some things are good for us and we know them intellectually, but then being able to put that into practice is so different. I mean, there are times I'm like, I know I shouldn't do this, or I know I need to go out for a walk now. I know I will feel better after I go and get some fresh air and I still don't do it. Yeah. You know, like, where does that come from? Yeah. One of the things that I've started doing is I created myself a habit tracker, um, habit tracker, a habit tracker, like a goal tracker. So Mm -hmm. I'm such a nerd about setting goals, Shannon. I'm like, "Mm, my goal this week is like for now for pregnancy. I'm like, you have to drink a gallon of water every day. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to write that on my goal list. I'm going to check it off every single day and make sure I have, you know, a gallon of water. But what I started noticing, I'm someone who's really good at being held accountable, like having someone hold me accountable and not everyone is always going to have someone like that. So I was just like, I'll just make a habit tracker. So for instance, like if I know I need to do the meditation, if I know I need to do my daily walks, if I know I need to do whatever it is that you think you can benefit from, write it down on a piece of paper and check it off. I mean, Mm -hmm. that, that works for me. It may not work for everyone, but when I have something reminding me, like, oh, um, you're supposed to be, you know, uh, doing X, Y, or Z. And you see that goal tracker and it's still like not checked off like five days in a row. You're like, Ooh, I should probably get to that, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's like a super, because I think these changes that we're talking about, like it is, it's like we're programmed. You've been doing things for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's, it's going to take time to, change these little things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And to make them lasting yes. habits yes, as well. Exactly. So that it becomes automated. Exactly. As opposed to that difficult hurdle. Yeah. And I think the same can be true for if you're going to conscious consumerism, I always tell people it's not about being perfect. It's about just making small changes. And I think the same can be applied again, both on a personal level and on a professional, you know, conscious consumerism level. You're not going to be perfect every day and be zero waste every single day and, and, you know, do wonderful, amazing things for the planet every single day. If you're just living your day to day, but it's about tracking and trying your best every day, becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. I completely agree. And if you were to do the opposite, that would just lead to the overwhelm, lead to the overwhelm and burnout that we're all trying to avoid anyway, which is completely counterproductive. Right. So yes, I am a massive proponent that we all need to have a little bit more self-compassion as well as, you know, blending that with those external goals. So I'm curious what does, let's move into a part about what we can do in terms of like actionable, practical steps and changes that we can make in our life. You're feel free to give me some things that you personally do, something that you've heard maybe on some of your guests in your podcast, but I'd like to start by asking you, do you resonate with the idea of being a conscious global citizen? And if you do, what does that mean to you? Do I resonate with that? Um, Yeah. I don't think I would ever be like, call myself a conscious global citizen. Um, 
I think each and every one of us is called to do something, um, you know, whether that's on a more community scale, a global scale, an individual scale, because, you know, you can be a conscious global citizen by helping your neighbor, you know, if your neighbor is going through something Mm -hmm. or, you know, they always say like helping the lady cross the street or with the grocery bags. I think there's always good we can do. So like even on a minute scale, I think each one of us is called to do something good in this world. Um, in terms of the work that I'm doing right now, I, I can easily get overwhelmed by thinking about all the things on a global scale. So what I try to do, because if you think of everything, you think of climate change, you think of social, social justice issues, you think of all these different things that are happening all over the world, it can get overwhelming. So what I like to do is kind of take it back a notch and think, Mm -hmm. okay, well, what can I, as a conscious citizen do today? tomorrow, next year to help where I can, how I can. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. And I, and I didn't necessarily anticipate that, that you would necessarily agree with that idea because I think we've also been taught, we've grown up in a system where we're looking at our individual states and countries and there's kind of, we know that there's sort of a state sovereignty there. Each country can have its own, you know, rules and regulations and so on. International law is quite weak, but I think something that we're facing now is a greater need for people to cooperate internationally. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean I'm not to dismiss the idea of working on a smaller scale and in your communities, because that's absolutely part of it. But even the conversation we're having right now, I'm Australian, British. I live in Switzerland. You are, is it French or Belgian? Sorry. French, French, American. French. Yeah. And, okay. But you have family in, in Belgium and you live in America. And it's like even having this discussion and the people that are going to be listening to us are in different parts of the world. Yes, we're English speaking right now, but I think there is something there that it's like being part of a bigger cultural change to, to recognize, yeah, to recognize that we have a, an interdependence that there are things that we can do to emphasize our similarities for mm. one over our differences mm. to think about the interdependence of us in, in terms of human beings and mm. also the world, mm. you know, and I think something that I really feel from your, your work that you're doing in your podcast is actually thinking about the planet on a, you know, the environment. And you are thinking of that globally. You're not just thinking about, you know, the, the forest, let's say near where you live. It's like, no, there's climate change here. You, you know, as you said, with your history and in the Navy and so forth as well, you're called to think about these things on a bigger scale. For sure. Well, even when I think about where I'm getting my chocolate, so, you know, where am I getting my chocolate? I, really have a hard time eating chocolate now because I've done research and I talked to people who are in, you know, the chocolate supply chain where it's like, if it's not fair trade, you know, I have a hard time consuming it because I know that's impacting someone who is maybe, I I just think, I just think, you know, fair, fair trade, paying people what they deserve, treating people with respect, whether I know them or not is just part of my value system. So Mm. not everyone is like that. And I get it. And, and to be able to buy fair trade chocolate is not necessarily affordable for everyone. This is just an example, but it's, I would rather buy one bar of chocolate that is fair trade than, you know, a whole bag of chocolate that may not be. And that's just a personal decision, but that's kind of how 
I think and why when you look at something, it's kind of like when you learn something, even shopping, when I know something, it's really hard to go backwards. So if I know like in fast fashion, like I'm a huge slow fashion advocate. So if I know that something was made um, where dyes went into the, the ocean, where the workers weren't paid a fair wage, where, you know, all these things were impacting both on a, on a human and a planet level. I just, I just have a really hard time supporting it. Mm. I'm curious, while this isn't practical in line with what I was saying, we should go into, I'm really curious where you think this arose in you, like this passion and that interest in, in these social justice issues, because I feel that from you, is it something you felt that came in your childhood that you, or part of your education? Um, that is a good question. Um, I think I have always felt this way. Um, I think it's because I love people. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it's part of my faith where it's like, I just feel like I think everyone has value. And I think it's just, if I can support that value and, and like, I'm, I may not ever meet a cotton grower in, you know, wherever on the other side of the planet. But if I know that he or she, because the brand that I'm supporting is transparent about how their products were manufactured, I just feel more like I'm, I'm able to support that cotton because they're people at the end of the day, these are people who are trying to, you know, live their, live their own lives and have, have their own struggles. And I think, you know, talk about global citizens, it's like supporting people all over the world and loving people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. There's clearly an empathy there. And I I used to be a high school teacher and I was always really curious about how we can generate this empathy. So I used to teach politics Uh and and history and so forth in in high schools. And I think one thing I realized is that so many people don't feel, because they don't feel connected to people in other parts of the world, because they don't see their lived experience in some way that's tangible, they therefore feel removed. Mm Because I think if, if... you saw something in front of your very eyes that would shake you. That yep. would shake you up. For you know, sure. I, I was reminded, I think it was actually a, a fair trade video. It was a sort of sketch of something. I'll put a link to you in the show notes because it's only a couple of minutes, but it was a company, a fake company in the UK who were delivering uh, food hampers to someone's door. And they had small, I think probably maybe like eight or nine years old black children with African like accents, some country come and deliver the food to the door. They'd have a secret camera there. And then the people who opened the door to receive the package were like, well, I don't understand why these young children are carrying this heavy box to my door and so on. And they said, oh, you know, then they got the person doing the interviews come over and say, oh, did you realize, you know, because you were actually paying less for this, we've had, you know, these are the children that actually are doing this work. And while they're not right here on your doorstep, they are working in, mm. you know, Nigeria or Ethiopia mm. to produce this for you. And I think it was, and it seemed genuine, at least in in when I watched it. And also the students that I was teaching in the class really resonated with that too, because I think it was just that that misunderstanding sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. especially saw that in the youth that I was educating. It was like, oh, I didn't really realize or I didn't feel it. But as soon as they could connect, like, oh, they're just like me too. Oh, I wouldn't like to do that. Or I wouldn't like my sibling to have to do that, et cetera. It, it, It becomes more tangible. For sure. So what are a few kind of practices that you do at home to be more environmentally conscious? Is there anything? Yeah. So 
there's, I mean, there's so many, we could go down the rabbit hole of this and obviously do not have time to go through so many. So I'm thinking of like a few things that like kind of stand out that are both good for health and planet. Um, one trying to remove Teflon, if you're using Teflon from your cooking products, because Teflon is made using, I think it's like C8 and C6 and they're carbon and they do not break down. They're known as forever chemicals. So these forever chemicals are bad for the environment when, and, or being created to make your product, but also they stay in your body and C8, which was the original Teflon version, PFAS is what they're known as, um, had some real health repercussions. So I think looking at your cookware, how are you cooking your food is a super simple way. What are you using? You know, are you microwaving your food in plastic? Um, and if you are, you know, I'm not saying you have to go buy like all these glass Tupperwares, you know, and, and containers use what you have. If you have a bowl, a glass bowl, put it in a glass bowl and microwave it in the glass bowl. Um, so just little things like that. How are you cooking, preparing your food? Um, another super simple one is, um, drinking water. That's a very easy lifestyle change that I highly recommend. I think a lot of us know this is going back to like the practice. Like a lot of us know we should be drinking water and we just don't drink enough water that helps to flush out everything, you know, um, eco, I'm a huge advocate of reducing plastic in your kitchen, your bathroom, wherever you can. However you can, again, it doesn't happen overnight. I think if you can replace like Saran wrap, which is, um, I don't know if you have that in, or if your listeners all over the world, if we all call it saran wrap, it's the plastic wrap you used to you uh, know, okay. cover food. Yeah. Plastic wrap, cling film, the Brits call Correct. it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, replace it with a beeswax wrap or put it instead of packaging your food with just a saran wrap, get a, you know, I use a lot of old glass jars from food that I've collected like peanut butter or tomato sauce. And I save the jars and I use them as quote unquote Tupperware. Um, food containers, if you will, food storage containers. Um, I also use those glass jars. So that's the other thing is instead of buying new things, like try to figure out ways to reuse things. So I use the glass jars, for instance, here I have like my pencil jar, my pencils are all held in an old peanut butter jar. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, how do you reuse things in a way that you may not have thought of before? The other one, because I am huge into uh, reducing how much we consume is like slow fashion. So think secondhand first. Well, actually think, think, what do you own? And I know sometimes it's so fun to buy something new. I'm not saying never buy anything new, never, you know, try to update your wardrobe, but just be really mindful. Again, going back to slow, intentional purchases, like how are you buying? What are you buying? Do you actually need that seventh dress that you'll probably wear once, you know, think of renting options. There's renting or secondhand so I'm huge into that over um, buying something, you know, what the equivalent of Target or like Carrefour. I don't know if you have that mm-hmm. in Geneva or like, you know, like just the different stores where you could just buy like, oh, this is like $10. Well, who made it? Do I actually need it? Do I already have it? So just thinking of things like that. I think when you start thinking about what you're buying, where it's coming from, not only is that good for your budget, but it's also good because like most of us live in very cluttered spaces. So going back to mindfulness and groundedness, if you're surrounded by clutter, clutter, clutter all the time, it's like, it is helpful to know, like you have less. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a few tips I would say, um, you know, uh, if you can find products that are transparent with their ingredients, especially for skincare. I'm a huge advocate. As I said, I'm not saying that you should be fearful of conventional products. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying just 
be mindful of what ingredients are they disclosing the ingredients? And if they're not, why? Um, And what are those ingredients, you know? And how would you actually know that? So let's say like, assuming we don't know anything here, you would get, you would pick up, let's say a moisturizer in the packaging. You would look at the back. Yeah, it does. So it does. I'm a huge nerd about that because of my, 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 my whole thing started with a skin condition. So there are different platforms you can go on things that I will sometimes do is go on the environmental working group website or made safe. Um, and, and I'll sometimes just Google an ingredient, but, but this is what I'm talking about. Mindful that takes time to like Google an ingredient. But what I've done is I've tested and tried and researched various products. And if there's an ingredient, I'm not sure of sometimes when I'm at the supermarket, if I flip something over, I read the labels, always read the labels. If you flip something over and there are things that just don't seem right. Most of you listening most likely have a smartphone or, you know, some form of Google the, the ingredient, you know, it could be in food like BHT. What's BHT. I don't know. Do you know what BHT is? You know what I mean? So Google it takes 10 minutes, sometimes less, you know, obviously, and, and try to try to educate yourself, but there are resources out there. Like I said, the environmental working group, think dirty, um, made safe, where, you know, um, and, and I don't know if in, um, you're in Switzerland, correct? Mm-hmm. I know like the EU has a really good, or, or, or like if Switzerland does, but I know EU has, has really good standards for certain products being in or at, uh, out of products. So making sure it's certified this or certified that before you purchase. Yeah. I do think it is much more stringent than in the U S so much more. Yeah. stringent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Out of curiosity, have you ever heard of the app Yuka? No, I have not. I was actually going to ask you about that because I I don't even know who created it, but they will you can scan the barcodes oh, cool. of products in and this could be both food and also beauty products and it will give you a rating. So it'll be like in the red, in the orange, in the green, and it will break down the ingredients in that as to why. We'll give it a number, a rating out of 100. I don't know because I haven't actually looked into, you know, if there's any reviews on that, whether that could be manipulated. Because one thing I immediately go to is, oh, could this be a brand that's bought out by, you know, some of the big companies and then is manipulated in that setting. Um, But I've certainly found that really interesting and it's changed how I have shopped recently. You know, when I'm looking at my skincare and I'm noticing I'm breaking out in spots, I'm like, okay, where is that coming from? Of course, that could be a whole variety of reasons, but then it just made me more conscious of, you know, what, what ingredients are in the, in the beauty products, for example, the things that I'm putting on, on my face. And yeah. How do you spell yucca? Y-U-K-A. And for anyone interested in the app, it's a little carrot sign. So it's an orange carrot with a green, you know, the plant offshoot at the back, but yes, take it, take a look. And I would genuinely be curious to get your, get your opinion on that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's why I like the EWG because they kind of break it down that way, depending on the ingredient, it'll be in the red, green, or yellow, you know, depending on good, bad, or the thing you have to always remember is where are the studies? I, you know, I'm not one who wants to fear monger. So I'm always encouraging people if you're going to be doing this where, who is funding the study and the research behind why said ingredient or so-and-so is not good for you, you know, um, are there, you know, conflict of interest, et cetera. You know, like I could, I could do a study on bananas being great for me, but then it turns out that, you know, as a researcher, I've been funded by, you know, what is it? Uh, the, 
Chiquita banana. Yeah. yeah. You know what exactly, I mean? Yeah. So, so you gotta be, you gotta be kind of a self-aware. Yeah. Yes. So what about, are there any other, any other practices? So I'm curious, the ones that you've said at home, I love that because it's like the reusing and things that we already do. And it seems like an easy change that we can make as well. Anything else that comes to mind that in terms of like nutrition, perhaps? Oh, girl, like we could go on this forever. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So again, I don't like to... I'm never one who's going to say you have to have like a, there's no, no, no such thing as perfection. So I follow what I would consider in your head. Think of it as a 90, 10, the 80, 20 rule. So 80% of the time you eat good food, 20% of the time, it's okay. Have the pizza, have the, whatever the big Mac, whatever you want. Like I'm never going to be someone who judges, but I think for me personally, the way that I look at nutrition these days, cause that is a really simple, I won't say it's easy, but it is a, simpler way to start making changes in your own life and health is by, does it come from, does this come from the earth? You know, is it a whole grain? Um, how much, what's been added to this product? Is it processed? Um, I'm huge advocate again, even for food, read the labels, like the less ingredients. I think that the more whole food, the best, the better, you know? Um, so I would say always start, I think there's so many simple ways to have good nutrition, um, without necessarily having to break the bank. You know, you can get lentils, lentils are packed with nutrients and you can get creative. Maybe you don't like lentils. Okay. So maybe chickpeas is another alternative. Like these can be like really cheap, like legumes and things like that. Um, ways of adding nutrients to your diet, fruit and vegetables and things like that. So, and then, and then, so if you look at food, I'm a huge advocate also of making the most of all of your ingredients. So if you have a celery, for instance, you know, it comes with a celery leaves, take the Mm -hmm. leaves, put them in the soup, take the leaves, make a pesto. Like I use kale stem. I love kale. I, instead of, I used to throw out all the stems and I'd be like, this is so wasteful, you know, food that you toss, goes to landfill and just sits there. You know, I think I had done a research and they had found um, a banana wrapper from 1950s, you know, like it was a banana peel, I should say from the 19, just had not degraded because in landfill, everything's compacted, creates methane gas. So I think, you know, make the most of your ingredients, use everything up. I make tea sometimes from my banana peels. I'll make tea from my orange peels. I'll use a kale stem and, and make it into a pesto. It's really good. I have a recipe on my website for that. Um, and then if you don't compost, compost is another really easy way. I'd imagine where you are, not everywhere, most places there will be if, cause I don't have a backyard, so I don't necessarily myself compost, but I collect all my compost, my scraps. So that would include anything, um, from like, uh, banana peels, coffee grinds, eggshells, you know, um, Mm-hmm. super old, whatever you need to toss that you just can't use, put it in a compost and take it to a, a, either a facility, a local grocery store, a local farm, and see if they can compost it for you. If you have a backyard, more power to you. And, or if you want to do vermicomposting, which is like using worms, I have not done that, but there, so there are alternatives, alternative ways of reducing your, your food waste, if you will. Mm. Yeah, it's I, I I completely see it, and I just think I can imagine so many people listening. I'd be curious to know. It's like this feels I'm I'm behind the idea. I can imagine I will feel better, but the it's the seeming hurdle of the time 
yeah. restraint sometimes. And also the, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do these things. It's, I don't have the time in my busy schedule. Yeah. What would you say for people who are feeling that way? Uh, I feel you. I feel you 120%. <laughs> um, but what I've, I, and again, maybe this is because I, I'm so passionate about this is I want to make this accessible to people. So I, I think uh, creating, you know, take an hour on the weekend, if, if that's what it takes to, you know, meal prep, at least think of a few meals that you can make throughout the week. Um, you know, and if you have children, bring them into it, you know, have them help you. Um, it does take time. Sometimes some of these things aren't always as convenient, I will say, but once you start making it part of your routine, it just becomes more and more convenient. I don't even think twice about composting now. I just have a big bin that I keep in the freezer. When I'm done like cooking, I'll take everything, put it in there. And then when I go to the grocery store, I bring the compost with me and I toss it out, you know, um, re- responsibly recycling e-waste, for instance, is something that I've started doing. And, and yeah, of course it'd be way easier to just throw an old cassette tape or CD into the trash, but there are resources out there where you can responsibly recycle it. So compile, collect, and then, you know, make a day out of the month where you're like, okay, today's the day where I'm mailing back my old CDs. I'm bringing the compost to da da da, you know, and just pick one day where you do a few hours of making some of these changes. Um, and it doesn't have to happen overnight. I think that's Mm -hmm. the other thing is like, start with one thing compost. Okay. Or, or making one meal a week from scratch or, you know, just start with one little thing and, and slowly get comfortable with it and slowly build up. Yeah. I love that advice because sometimes it just feels so overwhelming with all the things that we want to do that we don't put into practice that, yeah, this advice of, of starting small and building up from there is really helpful. So First things first, I think I'm going to go chuck my cling film in the bin. And uh, after that, I might consider why it never crossed my mind to put compost in the freezer to stop it smelling. That's that's pretty ingenious. (laughs) I'm a fan. So Madeline, if anyone wants to connect with you further, how can they do so? Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram at The Wise Consumer, on Facebook at The Wise Consumer. I'm assuming you'll, I'll just send you all the links. You can put them in the show notes on my website and my podcast, which is currently um, ending the fourth season. And I will start off again in 2022 once I've kind of gone through maternity leave and gotten a handle on all that. I'll start it back up with season five. And um, really, the podcast is because I'm not an expert. I, I do want to disclaimer here I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not, you know, a scientist, I just talk to a lot of different people who are experts in their field and I bring them onto the podcast to share their expertise with us. So that's, that's where my podcast is. So if you're interested in any of that, check it Mm -hmm. out. Yes. And I thoroughly recommend it as well. There's a lot of inspiring stories there to listen to. Well, thank you so much. Have a, have a wonderful day, Madeline. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. To all the lovely listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I especially hope that it provided you with some motivation to consider your own consumption habits, both for your own health and well-being and that of the planet as well. I challenge you to consider one small change you can make or start this week with all of this in mind and join me next week for another episode where we'll be delving deeper into setting, achieving and maintaining your goals. (music) 